W263AI Murfreesboro. W270AF Murfreesboro. WGNS Murfreesboro. This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Alrighty, guys, right now the time 8-12 and a uh, hot start to the day. Rain in the forecast after today and kind of starting tonight for the next couple of days. So if you're out and about today, enjoy that sun. Looks like we could have a couple of wet days coming up for the weekend, but uh, you just never know with that Tennessee weather. So we will just have to wait and see. But our first guest this morning, they are ready to go in studio. And uh, as we said just a moment ago, joining us, Pastor Al Tho from uh, Grace Lutheran here in Murfreesboro, also Joan Howley and Bill Harper. Guys, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, thank you. So I saw you guys, I always got to ask, I saw you guys kind of going and perusing and check out some of those pictures. First time at WGNS? Yes. yes. Awesome. Well, welcome. Always love to have some new faces in studio. Uh, so this is kind of a cool one. We were, and I was just telling these guys, uh, I, the way that we, uh, you know, kind of got this interview set up is I had lived up the road from Grace Lutheran and I always worked on Saturday. So I'd drive by the church and see Katie's garden. And I, you know, for about two years when I'd be working, I'd say, one of these days, I'm going to stop over there and see what's going on. They got a big garden. I mean, this thing is just beautiful. There's volunteers out there. You guys look like you're loving it, smiling out there, picking the garden. So I pulled off and I stopped and I met you guys and I uh, wanted to have you guys share the story with the listeners. And this is over on Clark Street. It's 811 Clark. So if you've been in that area, you've of course, you've seen the garden. You've seen the big sign. But what is Katie's Garden? Tell us a little history of, of this whole uh, this whole awesome free community garden you got going. Well, it started as a idea... I had in seminary about four years ago we have a lot of green space and mm-hmm. I thought what can we do with all that green space that would benefit the community around us so a garden was one of the obvious things that came to mind so uh, it started out a little bit smaller than what it is today and um, and it kind of has grown from there but uh, um, so the idea is to uh, grow some vegetables and um, give it away to the community. And, um, you know, when you go to the grocery store, uh, junk food is one of the cheapest things that you can buy. And vegetables is uh, probably one of the more expensive things. So um, we thought, uh, give away some vegetables. And um, it's an opportunity for us to... Uh, meet our neighbors and provide something um, beneficial uh, at the same time so um, so started out small and uh, it's kind of grown from there tell us about the name Katie's Garden is that uh, in remembrance of somebody is there a story behind that I'm sure there's there's got to be a story there you guys want to take that one Uh, Katie was the wife of Martin Luther and uh, she provided the food when he had 20 or 30 visitors every day. And uh, she grew the garden and uh, canned, uh, well, it was, got things ready for the winter too. Uh, but that was Katie. That was Katie. She fed her husband's students and she fed her neighbors. And um, 
so that was a great role model for us to follow to be able to feed our neighbors not just physically but we try to offer them a little bit spiritually too and sure. let them know that you know there's caring and love still in the world so and they had uh you know quite a few children of their own plus they had uh four orphans that they took in so mm-hmm. um you know besides having a big family and the students that uh, uh luther would bring home with them besides their neighbors so you know the 20 or 25 people that uh, they would have at dinner every evening it took a lot to feed them Mm -hmm. so um, part of what katie would um, do to provide for them was the garden and she also uh, would raise livestock Mm -hmm. on their farm and they had uh, their own brewery also, so. We haven't been able to convince the board yet to <laughs> let us do that. One of the jokes that we, <laughs> we uh, tell was, yeah, we, we've, uh, we haven't been able to convince our board to raise uh, livestock on the property <laughs> or have our own brewery, but um, we, we, we'll, we'll maybe try to do that down the road. We're working on it. <laughs> In studio with us this morning from Grace Lutheran, Pastor Al Tho, and uh, Joan, Joan Howley also joining us, and uh, Bill Harper, who we just heard from a moment ago. Uh, so Bill wanted to kind of just work my run. I saw you out in the garden when I had stopped, and what is your part in this? And what is what does the volunteer opportunity look like? I know you know a lot of the volunteers out there were just doing it. They were out there. They were smiling. They were enjoying what they're doing, and you were no exception. But but talk about kind of what that opportunity looks like and what your part in this is. Coming from the seat, uh, streets of New York City, I know that farming now is a very hard job. There's all that preparation, and you have to be out there sweating and picking. And of course, this is a farming community, but. It, it is worth the effort when you give a large bag of vegetables to somebody just out of the grace of uh, hard work and what the Lord provides in nurturing the ground and providing the sun and the rain. Uh, it's hard work, but it's happy work. Mm-hmm. And then of course, Joan, who when I was there, I said, I said, what do I do with some of the zucchini, the squash, some of the things I got? And uh, you were able to kind of guide me and give me some ideas. and. Uh, there was another gal there who who was helpful in that way, and that's kind of something you guys do as well. You kind of yes. can you know teach people a little bit and kind of tell them what to do with some of this produce. Picking it is one thing; going home and preparing it is another thing. And we do have a lot of folks that ask us. Um, they're they're not familiar with some like our acorn squash, um, and we've had a quite an abundance of squash this year but uh there people are just not sure what to do with it and we've had a couple of ladies um joyce and darlene that have put together some recipes um so that we can share those with people so when they're not sure how to prepare those it's there for them and we just kind of try to give them little tips and there's lots of uh, knowledgeable people that are willing to stop and share that and the the notebook was a great idea that Darlene had um, so that people could actually maybe take picture with their phone or something but um, it is it's so great and they'll come back later and say you know I tried that recipe and it was awesome do you have more so it's just it's just been just a true blessing it's just to watch people sometimes it's they're going outside their comfort zone because they're like well i'll take it and try it we'll see what happens and so we've been fortunate to be able to share that with them as well 
So you guys encourage the community to come by. It's Saturdays. What time yes. do you guys kick off? 8 a.m. 8 o'clock. And then I know mm -hmm. when you get there at 8 o'clock, you can maybe get your hands on some of the tomatoes, cucumbers, some of those things. That, those go quick. Um, yes. So so what, is, what does that look like? Right about 8 o'clock, you guys usually have a line? Oh, oh yeah. They, they're usually actually lining up before we're ready for them, but that's okay. We'll welcome them anyway. But the sooner you get there, the better, because obviously the better pickings are earlier in the day. Sure. And what if folks want to come by and, and pick in the garden and learn a little bit more about that side of things? Who do they contact? What time do they need to be there? Um, early in uh, Saturday mornings are, are good. We usually try to get out in the garden um, by 730. That mm -hmm. way we have the vegetables ready for folks at 8 o'clock. Uh, we usually pick uh, Wednesday morning also. Uh, we start a little bit later, um, usually by 9 o'clock on Wednesday mornings. Um, sometimes we're out there Wednesday evening. Um, obviously, a lot of our volunteers work during the day. So um, there are sometimes opportunities Wednesday evening. Uh, and that sometimes depends on the weather. On the really hot days, we um, sometimes try uh, to get out there later in the evening, obviously to escape the heat of the day. Uh, one of the other things I, I thought um, would be nice to mention We've added another dimension to our garden, and it's something we call prayers from the garden. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, modeled after Jesus' prayer from the garden um, the night before he was betrayed um, and was crucified. And we um, ask for people's prayers when they come and get vegetables, and, and we offer them up uh, on our Sunday morning worship service. And that has become uh, uh, pretty uh, dynamic part of uh, our vegetable giveaway yeah. and um, people have uh, come back to us on Saturday uh, mornings and said um, that their prayers have been answered and that's uh, really been something that has been uplifting for us in yeah. our ministry in the garden and um, and I think it's uh, something that uh, has really been an added dimension to the garden yeah. and uh, it's um, something that's uh, that's really really been an added benefit I think so um, have you guys uh, added uh, anything that you'd like to add about the prayers well I know that we we get to talk to a lot of people and you know there's a lot of hurt especially right now in the world and it's a blessing when you can not maybe take that hurt away but let them know that there's somebody out there that really does care about their situation mm -hmm. and if it's just to let them know if they want a hug and you can give them a hug and they know that somebody's thinking about them and cares about what's going on and is going to say a prayer and there's times where they're like they don't really want to share they just you know want to give a name maybe just the first name but they're comforted in knowing because we'll tell them God knows the need. That's fine. And it's just that, like Pastor Al said, it's that added dimension there. And it's as much of a blessing to us as it is to others because to know that um, they impact us as much as probably more than what we impact them when it comes to things like that. So. And it's awesome when people um, stop by on a Saturday morning and, and just just tell us you know we don't really want any vegetables we just wanted to stop and say 
what a blessing this is that you guys are doing to the community and um, you know I had a, an opportunity because I didn't have to work this morning and mm -hmm. I just wanted to stop and express my gratitude you know for what you're doing and that is really a mood booster for us yeah. and Absolutely. all the sweat and the toil that goes into the garden and uh, it really makes it all worthwhile to be yeah. able to um, have a person come by and just say hey we really appreciate what you're doing mm -hmm. and um, you know as as much as we love giving away stuff it uh, it really is nice to have somebody come by and say hey you know we appreciate what you're doing and to have the community uh, benefit from that yeah it, it all makes it worthwhile yeah absolutely and a great resource for our community you guys mm -hmm. are and just uh you know i'm, I'm glad i am glad i kind of stumbled upon the uh the garden and was able to stop off and meet you guys because it's been yeah. uh, it's been a great opportunity and a, a great thing to share with the community so pastor altho in studio with us along with joan howley and bill harper guys as we wrap up i wanted to ask one final question uh when is the deadline when is the the cutoff day for the garden i know it's it's getting kind of towards the end of the season kind of lay that out when does it end what does the off season look like how can folks help and then when do you guys normally start up the beginning of the year we really start thinking about the garden in about february we start really doing some more intensive planning about mid-march we start planting about tax day it was what yeah. were really our our target about april 15th and that really depends on the weather um, our first giveaway is usually uh, around mid-june mm -hmm. uh, again that really depends on the weather um, we're looking at um, doing giveaways probably for another week or two um, this year we've been really blessed with some good weather um, We've had a tremendous season this year, mm -hmm. um, but I think uh, the garden itself is wrapping up. So uh, we'll give away for this Saturday and next Saturday. Our target is to, um, to end the garden uh, next Saturday. Um, off season, we do a little bit of planning, you know, what worked well, what didn't, uh, maybe some new vegetables to try. Mm -hmm. um, this is the second year we've grown okra. Uh, it's done really well. Uh, some people like okra and some don't. There's been a, a good demand for it, so mm -hmm. we're going to keep on growing it. Um, we've done radishes this yeah. year again, and, and it's done well. Uh, we found out that we don't do carrots very well, <laughs> so that's probably something we won't do again. Um, so it's a lot of it's trial and error. Yeah. Um, we're not all green thumbs, but with the Lord's help, uh, we grow what we can. And we always have the weeds and the bugs to contend with, <laughs> which is which is exactly. teaching you about life in the in the world. Yes, it's the truth. Yes. So. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for your time this morning. Uh, just a couple weeks left for the garden, but yes. uh, you know now that folks know they can get out there and, and be more familiar with you guys, and uh, hopefully even next year, even even bigger and better things on the way. We hope Thanks so. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. All righty. We're going to take a quick time out, guys. Scott Walker catching up with the Tennessee Highway Patrol here in just a few minutes. They are looking to make some big hires, so we'll let you know about that. Coming up next.
Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. While we're all hiding indoors from the heat, this is a great time to pick up some new toys to keep your pets entertained. This is Amanda from Animal City. We have a wide variety of products for small pets and their people and the critters themselves to add to your family. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. And don't let your pet go unprotected from fleas and ticks. We have a wide variety of products to suit most needs and budgets. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. On Thursday, WGNS visited the Tennessee Highway Patrol after learning that there is currently a shortage of manpower. Approximately 100 state troopers need to be hired within the upcoming months. WGNS's Scott Walker has the story. I'm Matt Perry, I'm the Colonel of the Highway Patrol. There's eight districts in the Highway Patrol and then a handful of specialized units. I oversee all of them. How did you start as a state trooper? I was actually a deputy in Williamson County and then I became a road trooper in Williamson County. My father was a trooper before me, so I kind of knew that that's where I was going uh, when the time was right. And then I rose through the ranks. I was appointed Colonel this past December. So when there's a big situation and you have to call out multiple troopers, do you usually go to the scene or are you usually behind the scenes? I'm usually behind the scenes. I work out of our head quarters here in Nashville and you know if it's a large scene or like the Christmas Day bombing I went straight to Nashville. If it's big scenes like that I'll show most of the time I'm behind the scenes. What are some of the more interesting things you've seen over the years? Every time I get asked this question I can't really answer it in the moment but the worst things I've been to are fatal crashes involving children. Those are terrible and most troopers have to experience those events but things like the bombing in Nashville I can't describe what it looked like and I'm born and raised here in Middle Tennessee. I spent a lot of time in Nashville and to see 2nd Avenue the way it was was shocking. Uh, tornadoes, uh, the destruction they do, I mean those are, are terrible, terrible things. What are some of the biggest problems today in Tennessee as far as crime? The biggest problems that pertain to us are, are really the roadway. Since the pandemic, speed seemed to be up. Less people have been on the streets. Now traffic volume is picking up, but it seems like speeds are still high. So I, I think that's our biggest concerns. People slowing back down, recognizing that there's a lot more people on the road, wearing your seatbelt, staying off your cellular device while you're driving. Those are the biggest issues for us. Since the start of the pandemic, has there been an increase in DUI-related arrest? No. I would say we've probably had a little bit of a decrease, not, not intentionally, but we have encouraged troopers, certainly in the beginning, to use caution, use discretion. So sometimes at its height, we were encouraging high visibility, not to stop every vehicle like you normally would. You know, there's always people speeding on the road. There's always a reason to stop cars, but we, we tried to use a little bit more of a, call it a high visibility technique where we're out there on the side of the interstate on the roadways visible but not necessarily engaging as much now there's a little bit of a drop but probably not not a massive one but we're back out in full force now as much as we can that's why we're having today's event we're probably 100 troopers short right now you know we want to do everything we can to get qualified good applicants in 
What is your name and title? My name is Andrew Perez, and I'm a state trooper with the Tennessee Highway Patrol. What do you do each day? I'm assigned to the Nashville District. We cover several counties here surrounding Davidson County, and uh, my daily functions include traffic crash investigations, criminal investigations, enforcement of traffic and uh, criminal laws, and uh, assisting motorists. Over the years, we've heard a lot about drug trafficking between places like Memphis and Nashville, Nashville and Atlanta. How big of a problem is that where they're trafficking drugs from one large city to the next? It is a pretty prominent problem. Um, I-40 is a main drug corridor from uh, the west coast to the east coast. As you know, 40 connects from the east coast to the west coast. There's a lot of drugs that move up and down the interstate every day, every hour of the day, every minute of the day. When you're watching cars go by, what gives you a sign that, you know, hey, this one, something's not right about it? Well, there's a lot of specialized training that goes into that. A lot of it is changes in driver behavior is, uh, is a main indicator. Uh, obvious traffic violation, something that just isn't normal that the, the general motoring public may not do. What is your name and title? Trooper Matthew Priest with the Tennessee Highway Patrol, Nashville District, Davidson County. Tell us what you do every day. Not every day, but four days out of the week, I ride this lovely Harley Davidson make lots of friends, try and change driving habits, correct them, make them a little bit better, just be friendly to the public. You uh, you mind if I ride the motorcycle? You drop it, you pick it up though, that's the deal. It's kind of heavy. Uh, okay, so, so are you on the interstates? Or are you on the highways? Where, where do you usually ride? Anywhere and everywhere, sir, but mostly recently on the interstate. During school time, I try and hit school zones to help slow down traffic and the school zones to help kids cross from one side of the road to the other, help uh, crossing guards. Then after that, I typically try and hit the interstate 65, 24, 40, I-440, anything around Nashville. What's one of the more unique things you've come across, maybe an arrest you've made, if you look back over the years? Uh, every day is different, so every day it kind of changes up a little bit. Unique-wise, just young generation with their cell phones, to tell you the truth. That's changed over the last 10 years that I've been doing it. Have you run across many people driving intoxicated in school zones? Not recently. When you say under the influence, it would be more drug-related than alcohol-related right now. People on opioids. So that would be the biggest problem right now, you think? Biggest problem is people with cell phones. In my personal opinion of what I come across, if you talk to somebody that works more in the evening, they might say something differently, but typically my main time is during rush hours, school time, the evening rush hour traffic. That's normally when I'm out. In recent years, a lot of new laws have come about, one being with cell phones and one specifically cell phones in school zones. What happens when you are caught on your cell phone in the school zone? You're given a citation and you're given the option to either satisfy that citation or appear in court to do traffic school. And it's all based off the county because every county is a little bit different. Davidson, they offer several different levels of traffic school if you're eligible to take that. Do you ever come across those who are racing on the street? Because I know that used to be an issue. Uh, it still is an issue for Metro Nashville. Occasionally they've reached out to us. We did some operations, I want to say right before 2019, right before COVID, uh, helping out with that. I personally, they really didn't want me on the motorcycle because that would put me at a greater risk dealing with that. They would put me in a car. We did attempt a few operations like that late at night on Fridays and Saturdays. Tendencies were that they were leading that way, mostly racing during the night on those two days. And then that's why we would use that particular vehicle right over there, the ghost car, to also help deter that. There were a lot of street races near the Titans training facility a couple years back. Was that something that really turned out to be true? 
the media outlets were covering that. They were also doing it on I-24 and I-65 around the same time too, sir. Any crazy cars you came across? Ferraris, Lamborghinis in those races? No, sir. I couldn't catch them if I tried. <laughs> I would say mostly it was uh, Dodges, Fords, a few Hondas that were modified. How are y'all not sweating today? Because I feel like I've been swimming. You sweat, but after the years, you just get accustomed to it. It's rolling. Yeah. Tell me your name and what you do. Uh, I'm Shane Stafford. I'm the captain and director of the Highway Patrol Training Division. What goes on during the first couple of days of training? It's chaotic. Uh, it's organized chaos, though. Everything that we do out there, it's got a meaning. It's got a purpose. We want to have well-disciplined people that have a high ability to take stress, be able to think under stress, and be able to serve the people. When we have to deal with somebody out on the roadside, very often it's one of the most most extenuating circumstances of their life. You know, for them, it may be the worst time in their life. Uh, or if we have to go deliver a death notification, if we have to deal with somebody that's injured. You know, those are trying times for people and we want good, solid candidates. We want good, solid troopers that, that will be able to, to go out and do what needs to be done to handle that situation. I remember boot camp, it wasn't fun. So how does this compare to actual boot camp in the military? It is similar. We are a paramilitary organization, but I would, I would say that you know we, we still strive to have a human side to it. We want to teach people to deal with people. I think you heard the major say, you know, to be empathetic. We understand that people make mistakes. People find themselves in a harmful way, and we want to be able to try and help them in that situation. But at the same time, with us being the organization that we're training troopers from essentially Memphis to Bristol, and so if a same or similar incident happens in Bristol, Jackson, Memphis, Chattanooga, wherever it happens at. We want everybody to be treated the same. We want it to be effective and consistent. When you apply to become a trooper and when you go to the school, do you know going into the school what you're gonna be doing once you get out? Generally, everybody's gonna start out as a road trooper. So, I mean, you've gotta go into it with the mindset that you're gonna be working the road, you're gonna be in a marked unit, you're gonna be serving the people, and we'll do that for the whole career. None of us are ever beyond being a road trooper. You know, now we all may do something that's more special or it may be something that uh, is more unique, possibly. But at the same time, at the end of the day, we're all a road trooper and we can all fill that role at any given minute. What sets the Highway Patrol apart from a local police department or sheriff's office? I think that the only thing that really sets us apart is the different styles of training that we do. You know, I think the Colonel or maybe even Sergeant Velez said something about it being a situation where, um, you know, people think that we just write tickets and work wrecks. And we do so much more than that. And so we have a ton of opportunity at a local sheriff's department at a city department your opportunity might be limited you still you still get to affect service and you get to help people and you, you get to serve but at the end of the day we have a lot a lot of opportunity here at the highway patrol and we support we support so many organizations between whether it be emergency management organizations whether it be search and rescue organizations uh, city county law enforcement federal agencies calling us a lot to help do things that, that they need to do we, we support them in their investigations sergeant Finch, she's our, our dare coordinator for the state, so she oversees all of the DARE education for the whole state. What's your title and everything? Sergeant Casey Fitz. I'm a sergeant with the Highway Patrol, but I'm the state coordinator for DARE, and I work closely with DARE America, which is based out of California. Tell me a little bit Thanks. about the DARE program today. The DARE program today, it went from the 17 curriculum to the 10-week curriculum. We teach, we start off with learning about, you know, being a good citizen. We learn about the dangers of drugs and alcohol peer pressure, bullying. We learn about how to be a good citizen, how to be respectful and treat people the way you want to be treated. We also give them what's called the DARE decision-making model, which is where they learn how to look at a situation and assess it and make a responsible choice and then evaluate that choice that they've made. And they can actually use that model for anything. 
peer pressure, someone offers them alcohol, tobacco, over-the-counter prescription medication, vaping. So we go into all that. And we actually start in pre-K and go all the way to high school. I'm Sergeant Chris Harrison with the Tennessee Airway Patrol Executive Protection Unit. So what do you do or what does your unit do? Our unit takes care of the protection and travels of the governor, first lady. We also take care of the lieutenant governor and speaker of the house and attorney general. We also assist federal and other state agents when other dignitaries come into Tennessee with all their movements and travels as well. What is a normal day like? There's really not a normal day. It changes daily. Some days are a lot busy traveling and then obviously when sessions in, you know, you have a, a whole lot more days that are just at the Capitol going through bills and stuff like that. So there's typically not a normal day for us. So if the governor had a meeting in let's say Knoxville and he's in Nashville right now, what would take place? We would take the governor to Knoxville if he had a meeting at Knoxville. And what happens when situations arise where there is a threat of some kind against the governor, what do you do then? It's just going to depend on the threat, but we monitor, we take all threats, CID investigates all threats that are towards the governor. If there is a threat at a particular event we're going to, obviously we're going to disengage from that event until we have it secure or get out of the event until it's secure if, some, if something happens there. Is it common for threats to be made? Fairly common. They're not every day, but we do have threats, obviously. How often do things actually lead to an arrest with the governor on site? Not often on site. Not often on site. And then the CID agent is who steps in and starts investigating more of, you know, the threat and what it's about, you know, how we got the threat. Does the governor's office handpick those who are around him, and does it change with each governor? No, not typically. Uh, and we're hired with Highway Patrol. We go through a process, a uh, hiring process through the Highway Patrol. So it's not the governor's office that, that hires. So when he goes to another state or something, do you go with him? Does the detail go with him? Yes, we do go with him. We travel uh, everywhere the governor and first lady goes. Uh, and typically the same goes into effect. We provide security and assistance to the other states, and they do the same for us. Uh, so when we go to another state, obviously that's not our our home ground and we don't know it near as well so normally they provide some assistance for us as well. What is your name and title? Vincent Tarosi, Sergeant. They call me Vinny. And what do you do? Uh, so I am the Sumner County Sergeant. I have four outstanding troopers that uh, I supervise, two of them which actually just came out of the last Trooper Academy. Hey, I guess looking back over the years, what are some of the more bizarre, insane things you've seen? Kind of been through a little bit of everything. I started out in Robertson County back in 2000, and of course back then, uh, you know, we would pursue a lot of folks. We, we've kind of had everything from barricaded subjects to hostage situations that shut down the interstate, pursuits that went on for two plus hours through two states and seven counties. I've, I've kind of been through a lot on the patrol, but I've enjoyed every bit of it. It's the best job I've ever had in my life. Well, no day is the same. Enforcing the laws doesn't actually mean, you know, you write them a ticket. It could be a warning. The biggest thing is affecting change. You know, if we can change that behavior, then we've done what we're supposed to do, and hopefully we've decreased the chance of having a fatal crash or an injury crash. What is the fastest you've been in a pursuit? About 145, 150. It's got to be kind of nerve-wracking. I've had so much training with the department. We even had some high-speed vehicle training as well. You're, you're kind of prepared for it, but there's a lot of uh, multitasking that you do when you're at those type of speeds. And of course, if you're in a situation where you feel it's going to be unsafe for you or others, we always would terminate it.
righty, guys. Some good information there. Thank you for Scott and the crew for getting us filled in. The Tennessee Highway Patrol looking to hire a hundred plus new state troopers. So a little behind the scenes chat there for you. And well, perhaps you might know somebody who's uh, looking for work in that field. So uh, there you go. Some good information. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're talking about wine around the square. We're just about a month out, folks. We'll let you know what you need to know, where to get those tickets, and uh, be some live music. Lots of fun. Uh, very excited for this event coming up. So we'll tell you more about that when we come back. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurant. Demas's Restaurants are now hiring. We are looking for grill cooks and other kitchen employees with competitive pay and flexible hours. If you're looking for full-time work or part-time work, then Demas's is the place to be. We've been voted a top workplace for five years in a row by the Tennessean. Apply within or online at demasesrestaurants.com. Demas's Family Restaurants on 1115 Northwest Broad Street. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system, reducing microorganisms including bacteria, viruses, and allergens. Call Precision Air, 615-930-0088. That's 615-930-0088. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. In this salute, we talk to a veteran who served in the Marines. Andrew Farr, Marine combat veteran. I was born in Nashville, grew up in uh, New Hampshire, uh, went to boarding school, went to college, and then uh, enlisted in the Marine Corps. Did four years, three combat tours, and then got out in 2008. A combat veteran is not an easy job. No, it wasn't when I was in. And not he, for the Vietnam vets, uh, not for Korea, World right. War One, World War Two. Those guys had it rough. And I, I did have it rough, but not as not as bad as those guys. Well, that's that's true. And I think it's because society is, as a whole is becoming more aware of what we're asking yes. of our military personnel. You said you did three tours. It, that was uncommon. Back in then. Vietnam, you did one tour, two tours. That was it. But now we have guys doing three, five, six. six. seven. I've known a guy who did eight tours. Uh, we did the Democratic vote in 05 okay. in Iraq. We were part of that. 2006, eh, not so much humanitarian. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2007, definitely humanitarian. We actually helped out Bangladesh in 07 when they had that micro tornado. We gave them food and water and and, uh, helped them uh, recover bodies from the mess. I think that our foreign policy in particular is asking a lot of the men and women in this country. Yes, sir. I agree. Andrew Farr, Marine combat veteran. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. 
Hummingbird Hill is an equal opportunity provider. Hummingbird Hill, Smyrna's newest apartment home community for people 62 and up. Furnished with all electric appliances, including a washer and dryer. Income restrictions apply. Background and credit check required. Alrighty, guys. Welcome back to time 847. And a hot start to the day with that temperature rising. Going to be humid again today. We see a lot of rain in the forecast headed through the weekend. So something to think about today. If you have some work to do outside, get it in while you can. Because it is about to start raining and we don't know when it's going to let up. Our next guest in studio, Patty Marshall, who's a co-chair for the event, the 10th annual Wine Around the Square. Patty, good morning. Good morning, Nick. It's a pleasure to be here. And we are so excited that we can talk once again, about Wine Around the Square. This is our 10th annual Wine Around the Square. We were a virtual uh, event last year, but we are in the throes of a great event. Uh, the Wine Around the Square is sponsored by Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford Foundation with Jenna Dijon as our director. And we've got our co-chairs of Dave Davis, Dr. Max Moss, Rita Ash, and myself. And we are all ready for September the 18th, 2021 at our historic square in downtown Murfreesboro. Absolutely looking forward to it. And as I, I keep talking to folks, this is one of the one of the hotter events of the year. People are excited about it. They're they're talking about it from even two years ago when it was live. And of course last year you said they uh, you know did virtually, but uh, a lot of excitement brewing around this event and as we set off the air when you can have fun and raise money for a great event, that is one of the best scenarios you can find yourself in. Well, we're gonna talk about two things this morning. We're gonna talk about the event itself and we're gonna talk about what we do with the money that we raise from this event. But I want everybody to write down our website, winearoundthesquare.net, winearoundthesquare.net. This is a website that will keep you up to date of what's going on with the event, uh, focus on different things that we offer to the community. You can purchase your tickets and you can donate all on this great website. So we're going to start out talking about the VIP park party at Puckett's from 5 to 7 on the 18th. Uh, the tickets are $2.50 each and Puckett's will once again host our VIP party they have done this for three years now they not only furnish the event but they furnish a delectable buffet that we all know from uh, all the treats at Puckett's uh, Danielle Fowler and Bethany Cordente are the co-chairs for that and you know it's so wonderful to see people businesses around the square uh, support this endeavor and the employees at Puckett's they they go overboard and making this a fun party for a great cause so we truly thank them for this tremendous contribution to our event and then the main event is from 6 to 9 p.m go wine around the square dot net and purchase your tickets for $65 um, I want to tell you about this main event we're going to have 18 venues to sample wines plus the Big B Cleaner is coming back. Their tunnel over there will once again be the outstanding Bourbon Street. 
Dinner was will be provided by the alley. You know, they have a wonderful uh, lineup for two pastas. One's a Cajun pasta, and then one for veg, uh, uh, a vegan uh, pasta, beef tenderloin, kebabs, fried pork chops, cheesy mashed potatoes, Mexican street corn, wild berry salad. And then our local bakeries are partnering for a huge array of desserts that they're bringing in. So you're going to come, register, get your wristband, get your wine uh, your signature wine glass start hitting all the spots around the sp- uh, square and when you get tired sit down enjoy some food and while you're there you can listen to johnny b and the balladeers now this he, this is led by our local john blankenship john and his talented musicians have performed for watts in the past and we greatly appreciate their giving their time and talents to get us all moving and grooving you'll Everybody, if you haven't heard Johnny B and the Balladeers, you're going to love him. And I do expect to see a lot of folks out there dancing. Now, we're also going to have this courthouse lit up bright, bright pink. Uh, they have new LED lighting. And I thank Ben Mankin for working with us on that because uh, it'll, it'll be bright pink for about a week to remind you if you haven't bought your ticket to go online, winearoundthesquare.net. But we need to give a special... Shout out to Charlie Patel, Stones River Beverage, supplier of all of our wines and liquors for the VIP and the main event. We could not have this event without the support of Charlie and PJ Patel and their vendors. Total Beverage has generously supported this event every year. And I hope all of you, when you visit Total Beverage, will thank him for making this event for breast cancer awareness possible. And then... If 9 o'clock is too early for you to go home, you just go right on down to the alley because we got more fun going on there. Uh, we want to thank uh, Sean and Christy Hackinson. They are hosting the after party, which will go on probably another two hours. Uh, they have just uh, updated their uh, outdoor dining area with new goat turf, and they have their food truck back there, and new tables and all. It's kind of like a big outdoor tailgate party. So it's a fun place, and go down there and enjoy your beverage, and uh, food will be available, but they, they have certainly stepped up in our downtown area with this venue they have, and we're grateful to them. And then I want to mention that we are honoring two we have two honorees this year, uh, husband and wife, doctors Max and Mary Moss. They're both retiring this year. Dr. Mary has been an OBGYN for 30-plus years, dealing, working with women and their health. And Dr. Max has been a radiologist. And it, it was through his influence that we uh, have uh, established our uh, over the Seton Building, our Center for Bre- Breast Health over there with, where we have our screening. And they have given so much to encourage women to stay on top of their health, early diagnosis, get a, man- get a mammogram, maybe have genetic testing if you have had breast history in your family. Dr. Mary is really an advocate of that. But we are so proud of them and what they have done for us. And we're grateful to them, so we're going to be honoring them at the VIP party. And then they'll be in a golf cart going around the square and waving at everybody, and we'll be cheering them on that night, too. 
Fantastic. So lots going on, and this is going to be a great event. Tell us a little bit about uh, what the, the money is raised for. What does this money go back to particularly, and uh, you know what are folks uh, going there and supporting uh, particularly? Well, we... We are grateful that we've got the support of Ascension St. Thomas Health and St. Thomas Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford Foundation and our wonderful CEO at the hospital, Gordon Ferguson, who form a package for us to uh, support this endeavor. And all this money is kept right here in Rutherford County. And what we do for it is four major things. One, we have our mission in motion coach now this is not a bus this is a coach and we have had one for about 10 years and it is wearing out it had 2d mammography on it we have one on order now to replace it that has 3d mammography and we're going to retrofit the old one with 3d and this is a, a million and a half dollar expense so far we have been planning for this, and, and we have raised a million dollars. We're working on the 250 level right now, and we hope by the end of I Wine Around the Square, we'll be set for when that uh, uh, mission in motion arrives, we will have this coach paid for. But uh, this mission in motion goes throughout 26 counties, not just Rutherford County. They screen women. You do not have to have insurance. It doesn't cost you a penny if you are uninsured or underinsured. Uh, you step on the coach and get a mammogram. We've detected several women with breast cancer over the years. And one real good place that I think women need to focus on is our St. Louis Clinic. I drove by there one day. There were 26 women lined up to get a mammogram out there. So you can stop by there. You can take Rover over there. You can sign up for an appointment. But uh, we are very excited that we are getting a new um, coach. That's one thing. The other thing, we support screening, diagnostics, ultrasounds, MRIs and biopsies of uninsured and underinsured in Rutherford County. We also fund a salary for a nurse navigator at the Center of Breast, Breast Health. Now this person is so valuable to someone who's been diagnosed with breast cancer. They are like your best friend. They, they stick with you from diagnosis through surgery, through treatment, and it's a person that knows everything you're going through. So we fund that, but also a fairly new program is the Cancer Wellness and Survivorship Program. And again, if you'll go to winearoundthesquare.net, you can read about a breast cancer uh, patient, Amy, who has been in this program. She had seven surgeries, a lot of muscle had, had uh, been replaced, reworked in her body, and really she couldn't even raise her arms. So she got on this program. She's able to lift her arms now. She's truly a new person. So this has been a lifesaver for her and other people too. We've raised over $2 million since the inception and um, given over 23 mammogram screening. Uh, 40% of our mammograms provided to the uninsured or underinsured, and over 85 women diagnosed with breast cancer on our mission in motion. And I said 26 counties are served, over 70 annual visits can be to local businesses, housing um, units, uh, uh, shopping centers, and you can reach out to the foundation at uh, St. Thomas Rutherford, if you'd like to schedule one. 
All righty, that's Patty Marshall, one of the co-chairs for the 10th annual Wine Around the Square coming up. We are just about out of time this morning, but I thank you so much for uh, getting us filled in on this and letting the folks know not just you know about this fun opportunity, but an opportunity to uh, support the early detection of breast cancer. And uh, yeah, just wanted to give you one final thought here to wrap up. Well, we can't do this alone. We've had we have over 150 local partners. Two years ago, we had 160 volunteers. We had a thousand people down around the square, and we raised about a quarter of a million dollars. But most of all, talk to everyone. Ask them if they've had their mammogram. It doesn't. If you can afford, cannot afford a mammogram, we can take care of that, and we want to help have healthy women to enjoy a full life and if breast cancer is a part of their life we're here to help with that also go to our website winearoundthesquare.net and hope to see you on the 18th all righty thank you so much that was patty marshall joining us in the studio and uh, just about a month out from this event folks get tickets now vip tickets are available as well as your regular tickets and uh, some great music some great community all for a great cause. All righty, we're going to take a time out. We got local news coming up and Truman Jones this hour. So keep it right here on your good neighbor station. You're listening to News Radio WGNS.